Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. He will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Lend your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts. Double-minded, be afflicted, and mourn, weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother, and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law, and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. Let us pause for a moment of prayer. Lord, we pray that you would take this word of yours and make a good and proper application of it to our daily lives, to our hearts, and to our daily walk. We pray in Christ's name. No doubt, several of you are aware that this passage of Scripture I have read several times in the last year. As a matter of fact, I went back and looked at my record, and and I have preached four times since April of last year from this chapter. This is going to make number five. But I'm going to deal with a verse that I think that I have not adequately dealt with, and that is verse 7. We have talked about several things in this particular chapter. James is the brother of our Lord, and although he is not putting down the necessity of faith at all, as far as a Christian is concerned, he certainly does emphasize that our living The manner in which we live is extremely important. And uh, he talked about, in the early portions, why there are dissensions. He talked about the necessity of prayer and why we don't get what we want in our praying. He talked about uh, our being friends with the world, making us enemies with God. He, uh, down in the 8th verse, discussed the need for us to draw near to God. And if we would draw near to him, he would draw near to us. He advised us to cleanse our hands, that is, that which we do. He called us sinners. And he had told us to purify our hearts. And he he, uh, advised us to be humble. And he advised us not to speak evil one of another. All those things are, and other things, are contained within those verses. But let's zero in on verse 7. And I did preach a few months back on the early portion, even of this verse, where he says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. That was a, a sermon in itself. But I want us to look at the second phrase of verse 7, which I haven't dealt with very much, and that is, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. I may have told you this story at some time or other in preaching about the devil of the boys in the Sunday school class who after class were talking and one said to the other, 
when the subject had been on the devil, do you believe in the devil? And he said, nah, he's just like Santa Claus, he's your dad. Uh, maybe that's more truer than we like, like to think sometimes. Uh, the point is that there aren't many people who believe in a literal level. Amongst kids or amongst adults. That he is a, a way of life, an attitude, and not a personality. It's the problem of not being willing to acknowledge that the scripture is true to what it says. All throughout the Bible, there are references to the devil. I counted them this afternoon and got 51 references to the word devil in the New Testament, let alone all those that refer to Satan or give him some other name, such as referring to him as the god of this world or the evil one or the wicked one or a murderer or liar or prince of the world or deceiver or even a roaring lion. The word devil doesn't appear in the Old Testament. He is referred in the Old Testament by the name Satan. The word devil is a Greek word that comes from uh, the, the, uh, the meaning of Satan. Uh, you will find the word Abaddon in the Old Testament referring to, to the devil or to Satan, and that word means a destroyer. The Bible tells us that there is a personality called Satan or the devil, and he is as real as is Jesus Christ. I don't think any of us would deny the reality of the Lord Jesus. But sometimes we live as if there were no person known of as Satan, the devil we'll use here this evening. Billy, uh, Billy Sunday, rather, a, an evangelist of many years ago, was asked if he believed in the devil, and he said he did. Somebody said, why do you believe in him? He said, because I've done business with him. I suspect most of us, and perhaps all of us, have done business with the devil. We may have to put some other name to him, but we're dealing with the devil. There are two superpowers in the world, and they're not Russia and the United States. The superpowers are God and the devil. And we are controlled by one or the other, and sometimes a combination of those two powers. Jesus told us that you cannot serve God and mammon which is another term that we can use for the devil, so let's read it 
You cannot serve God and the devil. And here comes the dilemma. In that many and maybe most people attempt in their lives to keep a balance between the two and try to serve each to some degree. On Sunday, we usually give that day to God, at least a portion of it. But there would be many questions raised if we actually were scrutinized as to what we do with the rest of our week and to whom we give our allegiance. And so we're caught in the dilemma of wanting to honor God because we want what he has offered, which is eternal life. And at the same time, we want to engage in the things of the world that we know deep down in our heart cannot possibly have come from God. Therefore, they must have come from the devil. And so we try to have this balance of serving God and serving the devil all at the same time. <clears throat> devil worship is becoming a, a type of religion, a religion, in our world in which many people are now worshiping the devil as we worship God. There are churches of Satan. There are groups even in our own state, and I told the, I think it was the Bible study group uh, one Wednesday evening, I believe it was, about a group who meet in Logan. There are a group of people who belong to a church in Logan that worship Satan. And they took to Past the one of the articles, an editorial in the Logan Banner, who was uh, dealing with this subject and invited that uh, reporter to attend their services. They're still, for the most part, in the closet, not being willing to come out in public with their advocating the worship of Satan. In the, on the West Coast, they're no longer closet worshipers. They're out in public and have their churches. We have lots of closet worshipers of God as well. Those who want to hold on to the worshiping of God, but without anybody ever finding out they're doing it. And here's one distinction between Satan worship and, and God worship, and that is that you cannot be an adequate worshiper and server of God in secret. There are some things that we are to do in secret, and he told us to go to our closet and pray in secret, and God would reward us openly. That is, we would be recognized in public for that which we did in the privacy of our own little room. But we as Christians must be public with our declaration. Anybody who is not 
is playing this teetering problem of trying to balance God and Satan. And it just can't be done because that person is going to lose in the long run. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, when asked about what the greatest commandment was, he responded that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. God won't take second seat. He has our total devotion. If we are to uh, be obedient, we are to love him with our every fiber, all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. And that part of our heart or soul or mind that we don't give to God is then under the control of Satan. As a matter of fact, Satan does not mind if he doesn't get total commitment. He'll take just a little because he knows God expects all. And whatever he can get, he has taken that much away from God. So, we're faced with the problem of how do we deal with this person, this personality, individual called the devil. You want to flip to the right in your Bible over to 1 Peter, which is just the next book over from James, chapter 5, verse 8. Peter understands the devil. You remember Peter was sifted by the devil. The devil wanted him desperately. And the Lord told him that the devil was after him. Now, some years after the resurrection, when Peter has been filled with the power of the Spirit, he admonishes all followers of the Lord Jesus, to do something. Here it is. He says, be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now listen. Peter believed in a real devil. And Peter knew that the devil was a tremendous adversary, a, a dynamic opponent, because Peter had dealt with him. Peter nearly lost out like Judas because of the power that existed in the person of the devil who wanted Peter probably more than any other single individual in the entire world. He wanted him. 
You want to take him away from the Lord. To the point that the Lord had to say to Peter, Peter, I pray for you that your faith will not fail. Because Peter was dealing with them with the devil. And it was the devil who caused him to stand in front of the fire and say, I tell you, I never knew the man. It was the devil that caused him to follow at a distance. His influence was great in trying to turn Peter from a dynamic creature that he finally became to a, a discredit to our Lord. And so he knows what he's talking about when he says, I'm telling you, the devil is like a roaring lion. He is going about seeking whom he may devour. Well, I'll tell you, I've felt the breathing of that roaring lion down my neck more than one time. And I suspect you have as well. The problem is, we say, oh, that's not him. That's just my imagination. And the reason we think that is because the devil gives us that as a thought. Even our Lord was not exempt from being troubled by the devil. Right after Jesus' baptism, he went out into the desert where he was without food for 40 days and nights. At the conclusion of that, when and he spent that time in prayer, at the conclusion of that time, he was put to the test of tremendous temptation. The scripture says that he was tempted in every point, just as you and I are tempted. If you have experienced a temptation, you can be sure your Lord has already experienced it. But he resisted yielding and commanded that the devil would depart from him. People say, yes, the Lord resisted. He got by because he was the Lord. But I can't. I can't. Resist the devil. But I want to suggest to you that you can. Scripture says, 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, the Apostle John writing, Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I think those words ought to be burned into our conscious memory to the point that we would never forget them. 1 John 4, 4, if I didn't make a mistake. Those of you who are looking, did I get it right? 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in the world, or in you. Greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. Who is in me? Who is in you? We're going to have to say that there are three. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is in residence within us. And if the devil makes us do it, as we sometimes joke, it's because we have put down the power that we have to resist and refuse to allow God, Christ, Jesus, or the Holy Spirit to be the dominant power in our lives. Now the devil is in Christian lives working Jesus had told his disciples on one occasion that about his death and pending crucifixion and so on, and Peter said, Be far from you, Lord. In other words, this was never going to happen to you. And Jesus came back to him in very emphatic words when he said, Get thou behind me, Satan. He said that to Peter, but he was talking more than to Peter. He was recognizing that Peter's response was of the devil. And he commanded the devil to get out of the way. Peter said that he is stalking this world, seeking whom he may devour. And it doesn't take us long in our minds to think of this one and that one and another one who have been completely devoured by the devil and have become totally controlled by it. Yes, I believe there is demon possession as much as there is Holy Spirit possession. If we can be possessed of the Holy Spirit, it's possible for people to be possessed by the devil, and I do not doubt that one moment that there are people who are indeed possessed of the devil. Do you think the devil ever goes to church? You better believe he does. He is in this church every time we're here. And why is he here? To try to devour somebody, take away their witness, their credibility, destroy this church, destroy your witness, destroy the preaching that we have, destroy the word of God that we advocate, destroy it all if he can, and he'll take a little piece at a time. One person will satisfy him tonight if he can get one person out of this congregation and devour them during this next week. And every once in a while he gets a hold of us to the point that he smiles because he has discredited the Lord through us. I just can't keep from sinning, I say, you say, we all say. And I think the scripture will have to come back and argue with it and say, oh yes, and keep from sinning. In that, you do not have to yield. You cannot keep from being tested. 
You cannot keep from being tempted. As someone said, you can't keep from the devil. You can't keep the devil from knocking on your door, but you don't have to open the door and let him in. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who's the power in your life and mine? Now let's go back to the text. Verse 7, James 4. Submit yourselves therefore to God. That's the first statement. The second statement is resist the devil. What will he do? He will flee from you. Now, I read both of those phrases because I think they're both important and necessary for our consideration. Number one is submit yourselves to God. If you're going to resist the devil, it's because you're in submission to God. Your life is controlled by God. If your life and mine are controlled by God, where is the power of the devil in our lives? He can't get through. We have put on the whole armor of God. We have covered our total being with the armor that's described, and I'll not get into that. Take all night. You know what our problem is? Look at the verse again. Submit to God, resist the devil. You know what we do? We resist God and submit to the devil. Isn't that the problem? The devil comes along and offers some things that are extremely desirable and tempting. The problem is, that which he gives is only short-lived. And what God offers is eternal. Many times we give up the eternal just to have a little bit of the here and now. We think is so desirable. So desirable. Let me close with this little ditty. I don't know what it's worth. I concocted it, so you take it for what it's worth. I want to make three statements. Some neither submit to God. Um, let, me, let me state it over. I started wrong. Some, uh, I said it right to start with. Some neither submit to God nor resist the devil. We don't do either one. We don't submit to God and we don't resist the devil. Or two. Some submit to God but don't resist the devil. Point three, some resist the devil, but don't submit to God. There is a combination here that's necessary. A submission of ourselves to God and a resistance of the devil combined. The two things must work together. If you think you can resist the devil without God on your side, you're fooled. You'll be, you'll be overcome every time by the devil. We need to submit ourselves to God and resist the devil all at the same time. And the result 
The result will be the devil will leave us alone. He will flee from us, James says. Because our life is so bound up in God that he doesn't have a chance. The only reason the devil succeeds is because we allow him to succeed. When he knocks at the door the next time, don't you answer it, send the Lord. He's in, in your home, is he not? In your heart? When the devil knocks, let the Lord answer the door. And see what the devil does with that. But most times we have a tendency to listen to what he's got to say and buy his line of goods. And that makes us weak and fallible. And we succumb. Victory over the devil is found in submission to God and resistance of the devil. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at James sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.